It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Dallas Estate Planning and Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen and I welcome you again to another Estate Planning Essentials program, tirelessly striving to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I say good morning to you, Michael Cohen. Good morning, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. You know, I was going to say that um, could I call this show, this program, a workshop because you and I are doing it. And I ask questions, and you answer them diligently by memory and and even thoughtlessly, which really gives me great peace. So is this a workshop, or are the real workshops the ones that you have once or twice a month? Well, we actually do have our own workshops. And okay. The difference is instead of just one person asking, there'll be a lot of people asking different questions about okay. their own planning. So and probably better questions than mine, I'm sure. <laughs> But today, we're going to have you discuss something that's a rather specific, but at the same time, as we were talking just before the show, there's probably a lot of people who have things that are called IRAs and retirement accounts and the like, and you have a, sort of a scenario you want to present to the audience about them. One of the common questions is a lot of people have different types of trust. There are different types of trust, and usually, you know, with trust, you're, the biggest mistake that people fail might do is to fund the trust, that is, retitle assets into the name of the trust. And so I had um, uh, a financial advisor ask me recently, um, when should you put an IRA into a trust? And uh, the first thing you might say would be, number one, you don't put it in during your lifetime. Uh, of course, if you take out of a retirement account, whether it be an IRA or 401k or 403b or whatever, uh, if you do, then when you make that withdrawal, then you get income taxed. Remember, Congress had tried to have people save for retirement, but it didn't mean that you would never have to pay the tax when you you had your assets grow tax deferred so that you could use it when you do retire. But then when you do retire then you get income taxed on whatever you take out. And what does that so, amount? Does it vary? Yeah, it depends on the amount uh, that whatever you take out goes out at your income tax rate. Got it. So the more you take out, the more income tax you might have. And that's so, federal income tax, state income yes. tax, or both? Well, Texas has no state income tax, but okay. the uh, so I can't speak for other states as to whether they get uh, income tax, but I would think it would be at the federal level. But okay. but I don't know uh, about state income taxes. Luckily, we're in Texas and we don't have one. Uh, but basically, yeah, you'll have to pay federal income tax uh, uh, when you take out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you don't take out and put it in a trust during your lifetime, uh, even though the biggest mistake that people make is failing to, to fund a trust. Uh, when you potentially would name uh, a trust as a beneficiary is really the proper question, because when 
at what point, a lot of times people think that if you just name a trust as a beneficiary, that gen- the general rule is, unless it meets certain criteria, that you have to take out, uh, at least after the person dies that owned the IRA, mm-hmm. within five years. Five years. Uh-huh. That's the general rule. However, there are some exceptions to the rules, and there are some things that we ought to consider uh, to when we should have uh, an IRA go into a trust. But before um, I even tell you about those scenarios, we want to say in what situations would you not be taxed? So, because a lot of people are, a lot of advisors as well as a lot of people are unaware that there is a, are situations when you would not be taxed within five years, uh, but it, there's like four different things that have to occur. Right. It has to be what's called a see-through trust, which mm-hmm. is either considered a conduit trust or an accumulation trust. Uh, conduit means it just goes out immediately, basically, uh, mm-hmm. like conduit, kind of just see-through. Then uh, accumulation is when you keep assets inside the trust. You okay. accumulate. So... The first, it has to be the trust has to be valid under state law, uh, and then the trust has to be irrevocable, either immediately or upon the owner's death. So you know, a lot of times, let's say you have a revocable trust, and the trust becomes irrevocable upon your death. The idea is that you can't make any changes uh, after you die. But sometimes, if you have a married couple, it doesn't say uh, on the first one to die that becomes irrevocable. Uh, sometimes it continues to be revocable, so it depends upon the way the trap, the trust is drafted. Rather, what happens if it is a revocable trust? What could happen that's negative? Well, if it's if it's a if it's a joint revocable trust and it doesn't become irrevocable on the first one to die, right? Then you have to take it out within five years. Okay, and if Where, you don't, and if you don't, if you if it if it's irrevocable and you meet these other these four standards. The trust must be valid under state law. Mm-hmm. It must become irrevocable either immediately on, on death or uh, already irrevocable. The trustee, whoever the beneficiaries, have to be named as a beneficiary. Uh, it has to be identifiable as to who the beneficiaries are. And then the, um, the administrator uh, of the trust has to receive a copy of the trust with it before December 31st of the year following death of the IRA owner. If you do those things, then it's either possible to, depending upon the situation, uh, remember we had the SECURE Act that we've talked about several times in 2020 because that was a law change, that there was only, uh, there were certain exceptions to the rules where you could still stretch it out over life expectancy if you fit fit within one of those categories, uh, or it has to be paid within 10 years following the year of death. So as opposed to being paid out within five years, so let's kind of give you an example. If you had $100,000, uh, if you had to take it out within five years, even if you took out 20000 a year, if there was no growth, that'd be income tax at $20,000 for whoever the beneficiary is. If, on the other hand, it was 10 years following the year of death, then that means you would basically uh, uh, have half that amount that be taxed on. Uh, 10,000. Of course, it's actually 10 years following the year of death, so that means uh, actually 11 years. But uh, mm-hmm. and that's assuming no growth, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, you don't have to take it out now under the Secure Act 
on an annual basis like they used to have to do uh, previous under prior law. Uh, and then if you could stretch, let's say that the person had a 25-year life expectancy, then uh, then that means only $4,000 that you'd be taxed on uh, as opposed to the original 20000 So there'd be continued growth, and you'd be paying less taxes all along. So that's why you would want to stretch if you could. But now with the SECURE Act, they have limited to like five scenarios, a spousal rollover, that's if you have, you're survived by a spouse, they could still um, do things the way they had been doing things previously. If you have a child who is a minor, it, now that doesn't mean a grandchild. It means that it has to be a child. It's a minor, and you could delay until their age of majority. It then has to be 10 years following that to be taken out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a disabled uh, beneficiary or a chronically ill beneficiary or somebody that's less than 10 years of age from you. Uh, if if that's any one of those, you could still stretch the retirement account. But there are other reasons why you may want a trust. There are reasons why you would want a trust as a beneficiary, even if those things were not applicable. Uh, so let's kind of go through those different options. Please. Uh, I think I, I think of about oh somewhere around seven different things. So let's say that um, uh, you had a a second marriage, or you were concerned that your spouse might remarry after you die. And you want your spouse to get uh, the income from the IRA, but you want to make sure that your children, and not the spouse's children, get the money, the IRA, after uh, your spouse dies. Mm-hmm. Okay? I think mean, yes. that's a natural thing. Sure. Well, if you, if you just named the spouse individually, if it went to them outright, what could they do with it? Anything they want. Mm. It's their money. Well, they may give it to their children or to their new spouse. Well, mm-hmm. who do we want things to go to that we save for retirement all along? We may want to provide for the income to go to the uh, spouse, uh, but we may want the assets to go to our children after we die. Okay. So if you name a trust that is irrevocable, you might have somebody else even in charge of it, or you could have the spouse. It's up to the way you know how you want to design things, right. or you could have a combination of the husband, spouse, or and the child, or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in any event, uh, you could have the IRA name a trust or the spouse. Still, remember, you could still do the spousal rollover, mm-hmm. uh, but basically, you could keep the money. Uh, in a trust to make sure that your children get the money after your spouse dies. That's a great. Or, question. Yeah, yeah. It could you know a lot of times it's either or it could be that you're just concerned that you're even it doesn't have to be a second marriage. It could be that you're concerned that your spouse might remarry. So, and people are living longer too, and yeah. so that's really likely. That is a over fifty percent of the, um, people, you know, people get a lot of a lot of remarriages. Yes. You know, it would seem like to me it would be better so that no one makes any uh, partial decisions or biased decisions that it would the trustee should be someone else who doesn't have any skin in the game or any money to inherit like the children of the spouse. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. I mean, you this way. Yeah, you could do it. Well, it's all up to the individual as to how they want to have their design. But if they want to make sure that it goes to their children after the IRA owners 
children after the death of the uh, spouse, yeah. then you're probably right. You probably need to have somebody uh, that's not at least the spouse or at least have somebody along with the spouse as a trustee. Could it be an attorney? Could it be? Could I or could a listener ask you to be that trustee for an estate? You know, I, I feel like that's a conflict of interest. Mm. Uh, I never would want to be, if I'm the drafter, I would never be the executor of a will or the trustee of a trust because I feel like that's a conflict of interest. I know that there are those who, attorneys who might disagree with me, but mm-hmm. I just feel like it's, as they used to say, in the Latin was imperage licto, uh, un, unclean hands. I feel <laughs> I would feel funny that uh, 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 by doing that. And so um, personally, I wouldn't do it. About the most that I would ever be was what's called a trust protector in case somebody was doing something wrong and somebody complained and said, look into this and see if there was something wrong and you could remove a trustee. Mm-hmm. But I would never be a trustee. And I don't even like being a trust protector, to be honest with you, or a trust protector. Yeah. So It makes sense. I completely agree. I was in Florida last week visiting friends and family, and someone, someone was talking about their estate planning, and they mentioned that everything will go to my wife when I pass away. And I asked a few questions, and I said, well, you just assume everything, but as I've learned over the years from Michael Cohen, uh, you shouldn't do that because nothing is automatic these days. Every every day we wake up, as Sarah and I were saying um, yesterday, you just never know what the future holds, what that day holds, what the new laws and rules are um, when it comes to anything in life, especially things like the financial or estate planning. So uh, I'm asking the audience, and I know you are too, Michael, to not assume anything and to make certain that their estate plan is the way they want it to be uh, for as long as they're alive and when they pass away. And the first step in that direction is to attend Michael's next virtual workshop, and that is Saturday, March the 20th at 10 a.m. And I say virtual because it's been online for 12 months now almost, uh, and uh, the pandemic started last March, and Michael had to uh, change the way he does things, and his paradigm now makes it so that the workshops will be online, will be virtual via Zoom, so that people can listen to the workshop, listen to you in action instead of in person, and still ask those same questions they would ask about their individual circumstances, and you you answer them for them, and that's even better than getting in a car and having to have to deal with traffic and wear and tear and that kind of thing. So, Michael, you've been doing them a year now. They've been going well, I understand, and nothing's really changed other than the fact that the people aren't in person. Yeah, and it's really simple. I mean, people are getting used to Zoom, and now you could just, like you say, just click on something uh, mm-hmm. on the link, and either I'll look on your laptop or on your iPhone, uh, and be a part of this uh, workshop. It's no obligation. It's uh, completely free. It's two hours on any questions that you may have on state planning or Medicaid mm-hmm. or public benefits planning. Uh, whatever the questions may be, we never know what the questions will be. So the, mm-hmm. every workshop has been is different. And yes, we have been doing it almost exactly one year. Like you said, the first workshop we did online was at the toward the end of March. So you're absolutely right; it has been a year. And uh, we ask people what you want to know, and then we talk about the different things that people want to know. And you know, like I said, every workshop is different as a result. Uh, we also talk about general estate planning, so people have some ideas. You know, here, like today, we're talking about IRA. So why do I need a, 
uh, think about beneficiary designations because of things like that we're going to talk about here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, anyway, if you want to attend the free uh, two-hour estate planning essentials workshop, all you'd have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. Uh, if you do go to the free estate planning essentials workshop by calling that number, uh, or signing up online, we do give the option, but not an obligation, to have a free one-on-one meeting where we can look at your situation in even more detail. So basically, you're getting three free hours of legal education without any cost or obligation. Great. Uh, three free. Three free. Yeah. Two, two, I don't have to say that ten times. Yeah, exactly. I get it three times below ten, so... Uh, dial 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that workshop. Now, Michael, you've got about 10 minutes left in the program. You had five or six more reasons as to why people should consider those Tennessee trusts. I'll try to be quicker. Uh, okay. On the, the second one is let's say that the beneficiary is disabled. Well, a lot of times, especially if they're like on SSI, Supplemental Security Income, and Medicaid, that if you inherit an IRA, it may count as a resource, and therefore they may lose eligibility, not to mention the distribution of income, which is also uh, a issue for an issue for supplemental security income. They look at the amount of income you receive. So if you receive the IRA directly, then you would lose your public benefits, and that's pretty valuable to yeah. a lot of people. So... Uh, instead of it going directly to the disabled beneficiary where they could lose their benefits, you could have a special needs trust, it's called a special needs trust, as the beneficiary of the retirement account. And in there, you would have to put what's called an accumulation provision, because remember, I just mentioned that if you make distributions of the IRA uh, to the individual, then that would jeopardize their public benefits as well. So Mm -hmm. instead of it being distributed, it would be distributed and stay within the trust. It accumulates within the trust, and it would be used for things that uh, public benefits uh, doesn't cover. And remember one more thing. Remember we said earlier under the SECURE Act that you could stretch when you're disabled or chronically ill. So if it goes into the disability trust, it could be that you decide to put more. Let's say you had two children, uh, one disabled and one wasn't. Well, you might, and let's say you had $200,000 of assets and 100,000 of those assets were IRA. Uh, you might put 100, if you wanted to keep things equal, you might have the 100,000 go into of the IRA go into special needs trust with that, so there could be a stretch, whereas the other child could not have stretched. Uh, and so you could have the other $100,000 assets go to the non-disabled child. So now, and then after the disabled child's death, it could go to the non-disabled child if, they didn't have if the disabled child didn't have children of their own or something like that. So now you can have the stretch and not lose public benefits uh, by having it done into a disability trust as opposed to outright. Another situation might be if you have a child who is a uh, spendthrift. So even if you had it, if you had to go directly to that child, or maybe they had an addiction, if you had to go directly to that child, then as soon as they get that money, they might spend it. Or yeah. drug addicts. 
So instead, you might have the retirement account go into a trust so that somebody else is in charge of that trust. They don't spend it immediately. Uh, and so you, you would want to have some protection uh, for that. Smart. I mean, there's so many possibilities when it comes to spending that money, alcoholism, gambling, materialism, you name it. So that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. And, you know, it should be mentioned, too, also, another protection is, you know, Texas is one of, I think, eight states that gives credit protection for inherited IRAs. You know, so if you had named your child as a beneficiary, at least you have credit protection, at least in Texas, if the beneficiary lives in Texas. But what if you have a kid that lives in Pennsylvania? Uh, if you did, uh, one kid in Texas and one kid in Pennsylvania, uh, now I can't speak for Pennsylvania, but uh, in 42 states, uh, or a good majority of the states, an inherited IRA doesn't have credit protection. So if that oh. child had um, was always being sued or were concerned about them being sued, uh, then we could have the assets go into a trust Mm-hmm. to protect them from those creditors, especially if there's a judgment already outstanding or where you think that there's going to be something that they're going to be sued for. Uh, we don't want Remind to me not to move back to Pennsylvania, please. <laughs> you knew that I was using that you as an yes. example there. <laughs> yes. I'm from Pennsylvania. I got to Texas as soon as I could. You know that. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, four or five more. We only got about five minutes, so do your best. Okay. Let's say that, um, you know, we talked about your spouse remarrying. Well, what about your children? If your children uh, have children, you want things to go to the grandchildren. Right. It's the same idea. You want, if you want to, you're concerned about the no good son-in-law or daughter-in-law, or that maybe they are good, but they may, uh, might remarry. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that things go to your grandchildren. Right. Well, the same type of principle applies instead of going to them outright. It would go into a trust. What happens if your beneficiary is a minor? If your beneficiary is a minor, it's the same type of thing that like on the person who is disabled. Uh, you could have a stretch. They're too young to handle. Uh, if you're five years old, you really can't handle financial matters. So instead right. of going to them directly, uh, you would name a trust as the beneficiary. And the final one that I can think of off the top mm-hmm. of my head uh, is estate planning. Now, usually the biggest IR, biggest asset that people have is either a uh, homestead or retirement accounts. Now, the estate tax limit may be reduced in the future. Uh, right now, it's not yeah. a big issue for most because the estate right. tax limit is $11.7 million. But it's supposed to go down uh, in 2026, and it may go down sooner uh, President Biden, in, during his election campaign, had mentioned reducing it to three and a half million. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people do different types of uh, planning to um, not have to, where you basically double the exemption. So, let's say it was at three and a half million, that you could have up to seven million uh, by doing some type of planning where you have different types of trust. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be that you may have to. Uh, use the retirement account to fund one of those trusts uh, for protection of the and getting doubling of the exemption. So you, for those people who have uh, larger estates, sometimes we, especially if they reduce the estate tax limit, then we may have to uh, 
to reduce the estate tax, we may have to name uh, a trust as a beneficiary so you could double the exemption uh, on, on and to eliminate or reduce the estate tax limit. So, so there's lots of different things that you could do. There's lots of different situations. Of course, it has to be, again, it has to be a kind of a see-through type trust, but it doesn't have to be see-through like always a conduit. It could be an accumulation trust, which is particularly important, as we mentioned, for uh, disabled individuals who are on public benefits. But still, nonetheless, there's lots of different reasons why you would name a trust as a beneficiary, and it just doesn't have to go out within five years, which is what a lot of people think. Oh, you never name a trust as a beneficiary because it's a short life. A trust never a trust uh, doesn't have a life expectancy, so you have to be taken out within five years. But there are situations if you have it done properly, where you could still do. Uh, it doesn't have to be taken out within five years. Ten, ten years following the year of death at the worst-case scenario, and then uh, perhaps if you met one of those five exceptions, that is a surviving spouse, uh, a disabled or chronically ill uh, individual, a, a child who's a minor, uh, or somebody who's within 10 years of age of you, like a sibling, uh, then there could still be uh, where you could take it out over a longer uh, period of time than the five years. So, uh, so a lot of times, if you fit within those different scenarios, then uh, you could have uh, a you could utilize trust to protect uh, the way you would like. So it all depends on what your goals are. So everybody, when you know, like we talk about these free vision meetings after the estate planning essentials workshop. Uh, we want to see what that person's goals are, at least what, know what those options are. Uh, you really probably don't know those options unless you, unless you talk about them individually. And that's a perfect point. That's a perfect way to finish. There are many more scenarios. I thought there were four or five. There's probably 40 or 50, but one we're out of time. And Michael will have more for you when you meet with him if you ask about them or other things regarding trust. But, you know, he said before in the show, uh, if you're five years old, you certainly don't know how to handle finances. Well, a lot of times if you're 65 years old, you don't know how to. A lot of people out there rely on things on the Internet and other, other ways and means to skin the cat, to get their plan in place for how they want it to be executed when they're alive and when they pass away. And it's risky. People are think they're experts, but they're generalists. And general generalists usually don't know what they're doing when it comes to matters like this, financial, estate planning, et cetera. And Michael specializes in this, and I know that because he's done it for me and Sarah, and he should do it for you as well. And to that end, attend Michael's next workshop. That's Saturday, March the 20th at 10 o'clock. It's online, so you go via Zoom. Two hours out of your day maximum, you get to ask a question free. Attend the workshop free. Join today. You can cancel at any time. And you'll see Michael in action and be able to dutifully and diligently and wisely answer your questions about uh, your individual circumstances. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go online to Dallas Elder, E-L-D-E-R, lawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, and his services. Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, Don.
leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 